When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Off Tackle Empire, more tomato can for the Big Ten, and the zombie Scott Frost Nebraska era begins, and Michael Penix returns. Today on Off Tackle Empire. Your source for Big Ten talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, where now that we've gotten a recap of one hell of a week for the Big Ten West out of the way, it's time to preview what could be one hell of a week for the Big Ten West. Yeah, so hell of a week can have a lot of different meanings, right? It's a very versatile term, a lot of a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of possible meanings. My dog absolutely will not calm down because she doesn't get to see Steve Friend very often. So, on the one hand, you have, and this might not be the case, typically I do the outline early enough in the week that if there are outline, if there are betting lines on FCS games, they haven't come out yet. I didn't see one for Southern Illinois at Northwestern. They've definitely tripped over directional Midwest teams before. This doesn't Yeah, feel you're, like you're a... thinking about Northern Illinois, which is totally not the same as Southern and you might also be thinking about Illinois State, which they got the prime Brock's back years there for that one. Wasn't there an Eastern Illinois in there somewhere? They didn't. No. If they lost to Eastern, it was a long time ago. You would remember. I'll trust uh, you. On yes. This. <laughs> yeah. No. No. The Illinois State one was 2016. That was prime Brock's back, and also famously, somebody proposed to their girlfriend at halftime of that game. That's just amazing. Did she say yes? Yeah. Oh, that's so haunted. Yeah. So then you got to watch the rest of that game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then you lost to Illinois State. That's oh, that's boy. amazing. Um, yeah, I was like, well, hope this isn't hope this isn't a sign. Oh my goodness. Uh, elsewhere, tomato cans. UConn at Michigan Wolverines laying forty seven. Remember, great teams cover, and they did not last week. So there you have it. It's a lot of points, but UConn is terrible. Toledo at Ohio State, thirty one point. Betting margin for the Buckeyes. Toledo is one of the better MAC teams in a down MAC this year. Toledo seems to be just about the only MAC team worth a shit this year. Yeah, their defense is solid. Um, offense is not what it has been historically under the likes of Logan Woodside and so on. But I'm seeing if I'm seeing this right. Toledo is uh, ranked one spot ahead of Illinois in the latest uh, SP Plus rankings, and then the next t- that, that puts them at 62. And the next MAC team that I can find is 90th place Miami of Ohio. So, yeah, that's... And then you got Central Michigan, which, boy, the uh, Lou Nichols and the Lou Canoe were sunk pretty emphatically this past week. Uh, yeah, it started to look like that was just like a run of excellent play for about a month, and that's not... Well, and it happened in MAC play, which yeah. we're now, you know, it's getting into a chicken One egg week, thing. Yeah. One more week. Where the MAC just, I don't know, MAC is not what it was 10 years ago. Yeah, but look, 
Ohio State's supposed to get Jackson Smith and Jigba back this week. I have to think they're going to try to make up for lost time for him for, you know, prominence of draft position and national award consideration. So expect him to get, you know, nine or ten catches, a couple hundred yards. Um, they may well keep the pedal to the metal a little bit longer than they normally would in this kind of game. 31 points is a lot, but it's not 47, for example. So may want to consider that even though Toledo does have a defense that could give at least the run game a little bit of trouble. I don't know how they keep up with Ohio State's receivers with a max secondary, but that game could be competitive a little bit longer than you would think. Sometimes those in-state MAC teams can stay close for a quarter, and then maybe that's enough time that that margin doesn't get that big. New Mexico State at Wisconsin, because Jerry Kill didn't get enough punishment from his own team. He's going to go back to the team that used to stuff his head in a locker every year. It's interesting. This is a 37-point line. Yeah. But, of course, you know, as I've learned this week, Minnesota fans are really proud of their team right now. Like, unusually proud of their team for kind of being the only ones to not trip over anything yet. Whereas I'm just kind of happy to have avoided all the shrapnel last week. They seem to think that it was like a thing that they did, right? Where like they made all the other teams lose by just like, you know, all the other teams were kind of uh, re- repelled by the gravitational field of their own, of Minnesota's magnificence, um, that it, w- it was affecting their play. It was affecting the way that the ball was bouncing on their field. Sulphur's just living rent-free in everybody else's So. So if Wisconsin posts a similar stat line while not caring about New Mexico State, which we've been assured that Minnesota deeply does, what does it mean? Literally nothing. Literally nothing. Which is the same that every game against New Mexico State that the Big Ten plays means. I'm sorry, I don't really care about Minnesota yet, and that's not going to change because they play what I really think has supplanted Kansas as the single worst Power 5 program. Cannot be many instances where a Power 5 program... There is not enough data on Virginia. ...is giving 27 points to another Power 5 program. This game was 30 to nothing Minnesota last year, and Minnesota wasn't phenomenal. Alabama's had some lines like this in SEC play, but it's mostly against the likes of you know, the Vanderbilt, South Carolinas, you know, the Mississippi States in their down years. Um, you don't typically see a 27-point spread. That, and again, remember, even in your best estimation of Minnesota, they're not a team that should be giving up almost four touchdowns on a betting line to another Power 5 opponent. They just aren't. So make of that what you will. It does not augur an interesting game. There is one game with a large line that I do find interesting, and that would be Nevada at Iowa where the Hawkeyes are now laying 23 is the last line I saw, to a team that just got incinerated by Incarnate Word. Of course, the flip side of that equation is, would the Hawkeyes really be laying 23 points if their offense played against empty field right now? Well, what I want to know is, am I the only college football, long-time college football fantasy degenerate that listens to this podcast? I do occasionally listen to this podcast, <laughs> do you mean the one we're making right now? Yeah. What do you mean occasionally? <laughs> anyway. Um, what the hell, man? We need these clicks. Incarnate Word is coached by former fantasy stud G.J. Kinney, who used to play quarterback at Tulsa, Tulsa about wow. 10 years. Yeah, okay, you remember that name. I do remember that name. Yeah, so just an interesting little wrinkle there. 
So basically, Vegas thinks that Iowa can score 23 points with defense and special teams. And by flipping the field. Well, that's three defensive touchdowns and a safety. That's not really all that unheard of. That could be done. The, the real problem is, by losing Charlie Jones, they don't have a return threat to score anymore. Um, maybe if... I think Gavin Williams played last week. Keegan Johnson still hasn't. But I think... Hasn't Arlen Bruce been doing the returning? I don't know. I don't know. I, whenever Iowa has or is supposed to have the football, I tend my mind tends to wander. You can understand. Um, so anyway, if you can't get four or more touchdowns on the board against this defense and... They still don't make any changes after that. Fans should boycott. That would that that's that's Millen era Lions type of infuriating behavior by your team. You don't have to support them. I know that again, we referenced this obliquely in the Scott Frost discussion in the recap episode. You do not owe a team your loyalty. They should want to be attracting you. It should not be part of your fundamental identity. Like, I've been going to these games for 60 years. I'm going to go and support my team. Go Hawks, even though it's like pouring a cold bowl of porridge down my pants every day. It's just, do something better with your time, man. You have the entire realm of human knowledge in your pocket in the form of your smartphone. Learn how to play Mahjong. Download Duolingo. Do something more useful with your time than watching Iowa football. Do something better. I know you can. I'm over here making the Jack Nicholson face. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, because that's enough discussion of that game. Rutgers at Temple at a neutral site in Philly. Rutgers giving 17. Again, for that offense, a little bit rich for my blood, although Temple is also turbo bad. We referenced this a couple weeks ago. There are a lot more really super bad teams in FBS than there used to be. I feel like the transfer portal has made it a lot quicker of a deal for yeah. teams' rosters to fall apart. Um, yeah. There's just a, a lot of times your core is going to get picked clean. I mean, you, you got to... The other thing is, you don't always... When you bring in a coach, you don't always get their entire staff, right? Right. So if... Sometimes... Your best that, yeah. case scenario is you bring in an entire staff and they, you know, immediately go and secure the existing... Because... That's the first thing you got to do now. You got to recruit your own roster back. Yeah. Right. Um, because that's that's just the easiest thing. That, like the, the easiest source of players is. You, it, but it used to just be that it was assumed that you would have your own players. But now you basically just the entire roster is empty. You first have to start <laughs> by recruiting your own players. Yeah. To make other teams not come and get them. And yeah, you're not even gonna. You know, if you're if you're Temple, it's gonna be a lot harder. Right, and we say because it's like in the context of these games that we've mentioned, Temple, UConn, New Mexico State, Colorado, like it, so many terrible, terrible teams. Nevada is really like terrible teams that have fallen from pretty good to just like the only games they win will be when they play each other. I mean, UMass, Hawaii. There are a solid fifteen teams where it's like if you have any kind, if like. If your team is bull caliber, you're gonna beat the crap out of that team. Scheduling them, and it's you know it'll help teams pad their win totals. I guess there's that to be said. Um, I can't find an interesting angle on this game though. Temple's quarterback is still Dwan Mathis, guy who went to high school at Oak Park, right, like two miles away from where we're sitting. The um, well, Ramon Davis, for instance, yeah, he, he bailed. Yeah, right. So 
Uh, but I can't find anything else in terms of this game to make an interesting angle. Maybe Rutgers' quarterback situation normalizes somewhat, but they could continue just playing two guys. I mean, it feels like if they ever if they want to find their ceiling, they need to just give more of the snaps to Winsat. But Evan Simon plays well enough for them to succeed with him out there. He's a relatively accurate passer, so they could keep rolling with the two quarterback thing for a while. It doesn't feel like a long term solution, but. I do think Rutgers is at a spot where, quietly, they realize they need to win more games, and so it's kind of by any means necessary. Well, we're on, we're on, th- we're also on year three of that, so you know, maybe it, it is a long-term solution. Maybe, but getting hired at the same time as Mel Tucker invites some unfair comparisons, unfortunately. Um, SMU at Maryland. This could be an absolute fireworks display. You gotta remember, uh, SMU still has Tanner Mordecai, and most that Sunny Dykes offense still very much installed there. Yeah, which again, that's an unusual situation where despite staying in the same city, going to a hated rival, Dykes was not able to bring the core of his team with him. Always an interesting thing Boy, when they, that sort of thing happens. I, I wonder how in the hell that happened. It's, there's, that's, you know, that's the thing about the nature of modern football, all the coach movement, the portal, NIL player movement. There are so many interesting stories out there. Yeah, if when, when, when people are not in lockstep, with, yeah. it's kind of about like, well, wait a second. Did people maybe not like him? Is he maybe an asshole? Maybe. And it's, again, this is where like an enterprising sports journalist could ferret out these stories. We certainly do not qualify as that. But are you sure? We have our journalistic reputation to protect after all. It's true. We are a news source and we need to do everything. We have to keep that in mind with our publishing practices and we're going to be better from now on. I like making be sure of that. I like making jokes for an audience of our site's administrators. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this this promises to be a fireworks display. I believe Terps are given three and a half points here, you know, considering they're at home. That's basically a pick 'em because you typically expect home field to be between three and six points in college, depending on the intensity of the home field advantage. She's not going to stop pursuing that. I will assure you of that. Uh, there's she's got a nose for the ball. She a, look, way. ball is life. Um, Minnie, of course, has a Kong football that is her life. One true, her one true pride and joy. She is ball truly is life. Um, she will try to take it from you. Okay, there we go. All right. All right. Um, Penn State at Auburn. Well, let's, let's go ahead and get an SEC fired, coach fired in the first month of the season. Right, can, I can we do that? I forgot Franklin? what Brian Harson looked like, and then I saw the screen cap of him where he looks like <laughs> Max Headroom. <laughs> yeah. You see, right. It's like, you don't generally, like, yeah, there are plenty of guys I don't really have a percept of in my head. And then you see a picture of him, it's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. He's uh, a guy who, at this point, <laughs> is gonna get fired as soon as they get a new AD. Yeah, but he was so not when. popular with. He was not popular with the uh, Auburn fans or the athletic director, and he, you know, the fans can't fire him directly though. Or at least not yet. Auburn feels like the first school that might figure that out. But you mean <laughs> the second school, Maryland? <laughs> well, um, so anyway, it Penn State's going on the road here. Auburn's always a reasonably talented team, but Penn State honestly feels like the better constructed one right now. Uh, you always have some qualms about James Franklin in a big game, but I, look, they've got the more experienced quarterback. They've got a lot of talent on defense. If they just 
Clay Singleton. <laughs> and remember to throw the ballpark in Washington, which is a stove that you and I are not going to put our hands on again until we know he's a, the number one receiver that he should be. Um, they have the weapons. They have the quarterback. If the offensive line can deal with Auburn's front at all, because Auburn's defensive line is always good. Mini, I know, it's a real problem. Auburn's defensive line continues to drip with talent, even though it's been years since they were relevant. It's a real concern, but I'm just hoping they fire Brian Harson so there's another SEC roster that my school can plunder. That's why I'm pulling for Penn State in this game. I'm nothing if not transparent. So, then there's Western Kentucky at Indiana. Uh, the Hoosiers are six and a half point favorites at home, and it will be interesting to see how their secondary copes with um, an air raid. Yeah, considerably less threatening of an air raid than last year, though. Austin Reed has been pretty good as their new starter after Bailey Zappi. Um, he did ward off Jarrett Dagey, the journeyman who came in, I think, last from West Virginia. Yeah, he's still... Did you not hear about that? Dagey transferred to Western Kentucky, lost the job to this guy, and then transferred again to Troy, where he is now the backup there also. Um, one of those guys where it's like, how on earth are you still around? Get used to it, man. It's going to be a couple more years here where it's like, you have been here forever because, yeah, with the COVID year not counting, people will have been around forever. He anyway, played for the 2017 Bowling Green Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, so read the new starter. Um, the two weapons that really made that offense go, Mitchell Tinsley is now at Penn State. Jareth Stearns, Buccaneers, I believe. So it's a much less menacing air raid than they were running last year. Um, still a difficult defense, or still a difficult offense to deal with. But Western Kentucky has never been any good at defense. Um, if Indiana can't find a way to get into the 30s pretty comfortably here, then it's going to be a, again, a continuing sign of problems. They needed a, they needed a maximum effort full game against Idaho last week to get to 35. Oh, you want signs of progress. Um, another very interesting game in the non-conference here: Purdue at Syracuse. Boilers favored by only a single point on the road against a Syracuse team that might turn out not to be dead after all. The Louisville thrashing aged pretty well. Yeah, um, when Louisville went and. Looked reasonably functional. Um, pretty well took care of UCF in the second half, despite just not being able to put any points on the board. They just <laughs> uh, their defense absolutely shut down uh, John Rice Plumley. And um, you can always tell you can usually tell when one of us has a particular bad beat from JMC that we're still not still not quite moving past. Well, but yeah, point is, uh, UCF very talented team. Yeah. Louisville. Yeah. I don't believe was favored in that one. They won that one on the road. Um, and so, yeah, Syracuse may very well be able to, you know, test them in ways that they have not quite been tested because uh, Sean Clifford certainly shouldn't be the kind of rushing threat that uh, Garrett Schrader is. No, and of course... Perhaps the least known superstar in the country would be Sean Tucker, Syracuse's running back. They were quietly, they were quietly very good at running the ball last year. Yeah, not typically. Nobody's, what nobody's really talked about Syracuse since they uh, they fell off from beating Clemson the one time. Right. Well, because their trajectory towards the end of last year, you know, getting back into that conversation of who's the worst P five team in the country, like Syracuse had their name in that conversation. Um, 
that they found Tucker and now have a running compliment to go alongside him. I don't and think I don't think they've quite been there in the oh my god in the Dino Babers era, but it yeah. certainly looked like they could fall that way. They 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 found an identity over the course over the, down the stretch last year. They really did. <laughs> yeah. Once they once they benched Tommy DeVito and of course like right. their like their old uniforms sent him off to Illinois for us to use. Right. Well, we got their old uniform. We got yeah. Hey. We got Tommy DeVito wearing the the uniform from that he used to wear in 2019 now. Yeah, so the thing that Syracuse figured out is, man, we've been letting Tommy DeVito get smashed with sledgehammers for four years, and it hasn't really worked very good. Maybe we should not do it. Why don't we find a quarterback who doesn't need pass protection and like run an offense that doesn't require pass protection, and maybe that'll work. And hey, look, it did. It improved a little bit. So, um, yeah, picking up Schrader, who would have fit the Joe Moorhead offense at Mississippi State like a glove, uh, but instead comes to Syracuse to operate this um, this running attack, a lot of zone read stuff with himself and Sean Tucker. Not a bad landing spot, honestly. Um, other major games in the conference, Oklahoma at Nebraska. We'll see if the circle of the wagons, nobody believes in us, which is true in this case, thing with Nebraska gets them anything, is a 13.5-point home dog. Oklahoma had a very weird first half against Kent State last week. They certainly did. They were down three to nothing until the very end of the half. Or did they go into halftime down three nothing? I think it was seven three at half. But uh, I'm not really sure what Dylan Gabriel was uh, yeah, was doing. Regardless, there. I mean, look, Kent State. I actually think is a pretty good MAC team whose record will deceive you because they play this uh, this unfathomable gauntlet. Like they've already played Washington this year. Played Oklahoma. They're playing somebody else of that caliber. Like last year, they played Alabama and a couple other P five teams. Like it, they must be hard up for money. Is the point? Because well, you know, to to shut down Oklahoma with very talented quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Not to mention, Marvin I mean, still there. They they've got a lot. I mean, they still got about half of the talent that Lincoln Riley brought there. They didn't all go out there with him. Yeah. Um, also, remember, he brought in better wide receivers from other. Power five schools uh, to USC, so right. they got the likes of Theo Weiss still at uh, Jaden Hazelwood. Is he still there? No, Hazelwood went to Arkansas. They have Marvin Mims though as the other main guy. Ah, okay, right. In any case, still too much talent to be getting shut out at the half by Kent State. Yeah, so we'll so, see. Because again, like if not, I don't know if I, that I necessarily think Nebraska gets all the way off the map to get a win here because last week had to take it out of them. Even if you find a little surge of motivation in the eye, let's prove that we're still Nebraska. Um, it's just a lot to process in the course of a quick turnaround. Um, I would like Oak, I would like Nebraska to cover that spread though, because you know thir- or to beat the spread rather, because thirteen and a half. I mean, how many? Again, the calling card of the Scott Frost Huskers has been losing one score games. I, I would like to, basically, yeah, you, you'd like to see them do their old coach a solid. And when they, when, they, when they fuck it up right at the end to come away with a three-point loss, I hope that with a smile on their face and a tear in their eye. Just pointing up, just pointing up to the heavens where Scott Frost is looking down from purgatory. Or, Did know, it for you, big guy. More likely, I mean, you can buy a lot of land in Nebraska for $15 million. R2, don't growl at people walking by. And then Michigan State at Washington. This is why R2 is growling. He's been looking forward to this matchup all week. He's been oh, talking yeah. a lot of shit, even though I have to explain to him, look, we got the we got the dog DNA test thing done, and he's actually not nearly as much husky as we thought. Um, but he's still... Yeah, I didn't know that. No, nah, he's a straight-up mutt. It, husky is the biggest piece, but it's like 
14% or something, and that just happens to be what he looks like. So anyway, um, this line crossed the bridge. Initially, it was MSU giving three and a half. Now Washington is favored by three. Vegas always knows. Um, Mel Tucker has Vegas been... doesn't know about Northwestern and Duke. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, but that's probably because they're not motivated to know because there's no action on a game between two tiny private schools. Um, Mel Tucker has been kind of evasive about Jaden Reed's status here. He was a little dinged up last week. He's always a little dinged up. Um, I just think it's as simple as this. Big Ten teams traveling to the West Coast almost never come away successfully. I picked Washington to win the game straight up in our picks. I'm sticking with that. I would love to be pleasantly surprised. It would be great if this this game has the same kind of feel as the Miami game last year, where despite it being a difficult circumstance, their preparation is adequate and they find a way to play well enough to win. Washington's going to be a much better team than they were last year. Their talent level was never as bad as Jimmy Lake's coaching made it seem like, and Kalen DeBoer imported a quarterback. All their receivers are actually healthy, which was not the case when they played a Big Ten team and got embarrassed last year, so... Ah, I almost forgot that you have to go up against Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> yeah, the, the most the most Dovahkiin-sounding quarterback we will have played yet. Well, Jack, Jack Salopek. I can see that. Anyway. Ah, yes, a Kalen DeBoer with uh, Jack Salopek <laughs> at the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I would expect Michigan State probably loses that game. Um, I would love to be surprised, though, and I, I think it should be close. Elsewhere nationally, game of the week is probably going to be Miami at Texas A&M. And the, yeah, we're buying players. All crime is legal now. Ain't you heard? Bull. The purge. Um, USC hosts portal resistor Jake Hayner and Fresno State. That could be of some For interest. great justice. Old Dominion tries for their second in-state ACC pelt of the year against, oh boy, Virginia. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I did see some interaction between like Virginia Tech and Virginia fans talking about like, oh my god, our rivalry game is going to be like the <laughs> Apple Cup was like 10 years ago. It's going to be, a, a, it's, gonna, it's going to delve beneath the Crapple Cup. Uh Reeling Notre Dame at 0-2 welcomes a a Cal team powered by a Purdue transfer quarterback, Jack Plummer. I'm sure that won't cause them any heartburn. Um, BYU goes to Oregon, continuing their theme of, yeah, we got a bunch of 30-year-olds. They know how to travel and not get jet lagged. We'll go anywhere. Um, Georgia Tech agreed to play Ole Miss in the non-conference for some reason, even knowing that at the end of the year they also have to play Georgia. What the hell is the matter with them? All these athletic departments, just so bad with money. I don't understand, like... What happens to the TV money? They're, I know the ACC doesn't pay out as much, but you shouldn't have to take buy games from two SEC teams. Do they just want to get rid of Jeff Collins, or what are they doing here? Well, Jed Fish has made Arizona pleasantly interesting through two games. So, his reward is to host North Dakota State. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're damn right, Minnie. If I were Jed Fish, I'd be going... Not only is it a Dakota, it's that Dakota. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> As we it's said before, one. it's never a good idea to host a Dakota because you don't get credit for beating FCS teams because everyone thinks they're, that none of them are any good. But there's a pretty good chance they could beat you. <laughs> and that's the that's the Alabama of Division II, of, of lower Division One football. Um, I miss when Louisiana Tech was a threat. <laughs> uh, Those were fun times. I don't think they can take advantage... 
of any hesitancy or failure to develop by DJ Uwe fumbled away. Um, <laughs> so, before we go into that, though, one more FCS game that should be mentioned. Number 10, Arkansas, welcomes Missouri State. Oh, that's just an interesting buy game from a team that's kind of nearby. I wonder if it's like, oh, wait just a second. Who is the coach at Missouri State? <laughs> Bobby Petrino. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my brother's actually a Missouri State alum. Holy when shit. They, when they hired Petrino, I was like, damn, that's kind of a big move for you guys. You're going to like get some tickets? Go. He's like, nah. <laughs> he lives like, okay, because oh, you, you got to understand, Missouri State, I only know this because of how deep in the weeds I got on the Lovey Smith uh, defensive coordinator replacement thread. You know, when he spent a whole year jacking us around and then like, no, I'm going to hire my kid to coach the linebackers. You know, the one that's not in jail for pimping. I'm going to hire that kid. But it found out that Missouri State had like some very talented defensive coach as their head coach just because they could pay him like the bare minimum that the job required. And there was a lot of speculation that they were going to shut down their fucking program. And now they hired Bobby Petrino. Well, that was like three years ago. That they yeah. Hired Petrino. But, but yeah, I think it's fun. My brother's a big football fan. I asked him, like, are you, so you're like going to go check out any games? He's like, nah, man, we're still going to suck. He like watches basically every NFL game that happens. A little bit of college. He's more of an NFL guy. But, but you know, again, he's, he's wrong. Still, Missouri he's State <laughs> is competitive. They are 2-0 and this year, which, again, this is a team that was going, like, you know, 0-1 to wins a year yeah, before. Were, this is a terrible, really, terrible, terrible really team with wins against Tennessee Martin and Central Arkansas. And, you know, relevant at the FCS level. Yeah, so, Central Arkansas is a, is a team that's been top 10 in recent years. I still think the most likely outcome here is Arkansas wins by about 70. but Obviously, but yeah. sure, they're they're probably going to be agitated for you know a few minutes. At any occasion that you can, if you follow this sport, it is very important to think back on exactly how incredibly entertaining the Bobby Petrino exit from Arkansas was. <laughs> Every aspect of it. In particular... The mental image that I think most of our listeners to this podcast probably have of him at the press conference wearing his sugar bowl hat and the soft collar around his neck, his entire face a raspberry. But just shit-eating grin. Yeah. Just like, I'm going to get away with this. And and then, even at Arkansas, he <laughs> well, didn't here, away with here it. I stand before you, hat in hand. <laughs> I'm just a coach standing front in front of a media, <laughs> asking them to love me. Oh, uh, yeah. Mississippi State takes on LSU. See mm. if they can get uh, Brian Kelly another loss. See if Brian Kelly has any more interesting things to say about his uh, own judgment of his players. And, of course, you know, every game that Mississippi State plays is probably going to be interesting as long as Mike Leach remains their coach. In one way or another. Um, Texas, after giving a max effort die on the field, uh, not quite enough game against Alabama, welcomes in uh, UTSA. I'm sure there's nothing to worry about there. Frank Harris, one of the better group of five quarterbacks you'll see. And Western Michigan tries for the sweep against Pitt in the last two years. I will say their defense is better than I thought it would be. And Pitt's coming off an embarrassment at the hands of Tennessee. I think that they're just, they just don't have the experience on offense to do with this. It was a very special group that they had at Michigan last year. Aside, or Central Michigan. Aside, well, no. Western Michigan beat them last year. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was yeah. a very special group yeah. that they had at Western Michigan. Which is also true at Pittsburgh, but the talent level is higher. It makes, I get, makes I that get, a little get, more get, replaceable. And you know? I'm, not saying, I'm not predicting that this is going to happen. But the truth is, Western Michigan does still have Josh Grooms. 
They still have a tandem of, well, I mean, Sean Tyler's an NFL caliber back. I don't know if Ladarius Jefferson, but a one-two punch in the backfield. Their offensive scheme was very well coordinated. I was very impressed, considering it was Salpex's first start. Um, don't be surprised, is all I'm saying. Don't be surprised. And, of course, there was one more game I was going to bring up, and I have scrolled right past it. Oh, yes. The Kansas Jayhawks head to Houston Looking to improve to 3-0. and Houston just joining the Big 12 a year early, I guess. I thought that that wasn't happening <laughs> But here they are. They just lost to Texas Tech last week. Now playing Kansas. I wonder if they're just going to, like, send the commissioner a letter. Like, we haven't received our cut of the conference TV revenues. Just wondering when that check's going to hit the old account. Love you. See you, see you at the conference meetings and see if that works. I, you know, why not? People are in charge of stuff for no reason. And of course, one more thing of interest is the a rematch of the game that everybody brings up every time they try to defend a coach who is falling on his face in a new job. Well, look, sure, it's okay that Scott Frost just lost to Georgia Southern and like now is, you know, 5-22 and 22 in one-score games because Rome wasn't built in a day. After all, Nick Saban lost to, to Louisiana Monroe in 2007. Say it with me. You know who is sick of hearing about that like 50 times a year for the last 15 years? Nick Saban. They're going to win by 120 <laughs> points. He is going yeah. to Cumberland them. <laughs> Would be bad. Anyway, that concludes our preview of week three. We thank you for joining us once again on Off Tackle Empire Mini Squeak the Ball. Ooh, Dog Waggle Empire is at its loudest volume in a long time. This is a satisfying conclusion. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!